Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast, where Mary Malone and her guests have authentic conversations about leadership, navigating transitions, and finding purpose both at work and at home. We hope this conversation will give you the inspiration, power, and courage to reach for greatness while making a difference for someone else. Now, here's your host, Mary Malone McCarthy. Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Mary Malone McCarthy, and it's my pleasure to be your host. What a great day and discussion with Dr. Rosie Ward. Full of energy and packed with conversation, discovering your authentic self, a topic I am passionate about, and as Rosie describes, bringing your best self to work and home each and every day. Boy, do we need a dose of that with all we're going through personally and professionally these days. Rosie talks firsthand about her journey, her shift in her career, and the remarkable impact she's made on helping people and organizations understand their why. I thoroughly enjoyed each moment of our discussion from reflecting over leadership this past year to learning and growing as we set the stage for a bright and limitless 2021. Lots to noodle on and to challenge yourself in today's conversation. So let me tell you a little bit more about today's guest, Dr. Rosie Ward. Dr. Rosie Ward is a fierce advocate for humanity who is sought after to help rehumanize workplaces that free, fuel, and inspire people to bring their best selves to work and home. As CEO and co-founder of Salvio Partners, a professional consulting and training company, she consults with organizations of all sizes and industries and coaches and develops people so they can break past barriers, step into their greatness, and show up as a leader in all areas of their lives. Rosie's most recent book, Rehumanizing the Workplace, provides a blueprint for creating a space for a better work experience where everyone can feel valued, have meaningful work, and show up as a leader and make a positive difference. She just launched her own podcast, Show Up as a Leader. Rosie currently serves on the leadership team for the Twin Cities chapter of Conscious Capitalism and lives in Minneapolis with her husband and son. So let's welcome Rosie and get started in today's conversation. Welcome. I'm so pleased to have Dr. Rosie Ward here with me today, an author, just an incredible leader in the culture industry and also with training and development, and you've worked in an array of industries. So I would love to have you just spend a few minutes just to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit more about you, Rosie, and then we'll get into a great discussion today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. So my background is a little eclectic, so I'll give the Reader's Digest version. Um, I actually started in the fitness industry and then was trying to morph into worksite wellness and helping culture from that standpoint, got my master's in public health and realized that worksite wellness was fundamentally broken and that trying to help people be whole and well at work the way we were going about it didn't make any sense. And so I had this disheartening realization after I got my master's and racked up $80,000 of student loan debt to say this crap doesn't work. What am I going to (laughs) do? And I was a new leader at the time. I would actually call myself a manager. I didn't know how to lead to save my life. And so no one was there to develop me. So I just started getting my hands on every book I possibly could to try to self-teach and learn what to do and what not to do. And that's when I realized I probably got the wrong master's. I probably should have gotten a master's in organizational leadership or something along those lines. And I got a job in public health and it was my first time being in a really toxic work environment and a toxic culture and poor leadership and everything that I had read about what not to do. And I experienced firsthand what it did to me. And it literally sucked the life out of me, sucked the well-being out of me. And that was a turning point because I had this aha moment and thought, well, no wonder why what we're doing doesn't work. If you can take someone who has two degrees and is knowledgeable and cares about this stuff and can be eroded before her eyes, we're, we're off course. And so that's when I realized I needed to go back to school again. And I decided to pursue my PhD in organization and management and really look at culture and look at leadership and really look at it from a different lens. And so you'll see that blending, that morphing, we call it the fusion of individual well-being and organizational well-being because they're inextricably interconnected. And so I really started to see that in my doctoral research and then in my consulting work. And so slowly morphed into consulting and got my feet wet, had really 
great forward thinking clients that let me kind of play and experiment because I knew what not to do, but no one had really shown what to do. And then in 2013, when I decided to start uh, looking to leave that consulting firm, then my current business partner and I, uh, John Robeson, we decided to write a book together. And then we decided to resurrect my company, Salvio Partners, that I had actually started as a side gig sole proprietor, put on hold when I joined the consulting firm. We resurrected it, revamped it. And so now our whole purpose is to rehumanize the workplace so that people can bring their best selves to work and home each day. And so we do that through consulting, through coaching, through professional development programs, trying to build community of like-minded people who can go out and do this because there's a lot of work to be done. There is. There is. And you bring up a couple good points as far as, you know, it's the whole person and working on, you know, individuals and cultures together in organizations would have never even been discussed years ago. And now I, I love, and your book, Rehumanizing the Workplace, which I've got, you know, tons of notes and highlights throughout the whole thing. We'll be, you know, talking about that through today's conversation. But, and I think that kind of brings us to how you and I met because it was through a Conscious Cap forum and a presentation that you were giving with a conscious cap CEO. And I just thought, holy smokes, like what you're doing in the workplace and rehumanizing this workplace, talking about culture, talking about leadership, talking about individuals was just, I felt like we were kindred souls and we needed to connect. And so in today's environment, we connected quickly and, and virtually, but I loved what you were doing. And instantaneously, I thought the organizations that are doing this and doing the heavy lifting, this, this is their brand. This is who they are. And they need to be proud and share that with not only, you know, the communities that they're a part of, but talent that they're trying to recruit and talent that they're looking to retain. Because all of your work comes back to what people are looking for today, either in their current workplace or they're making a conscious choice to make a move and move to an organization that they feel valued, they feel a part of it, they feel heard. And particularly during these times of COVID, um, I'm seeing it more and more and more. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. So I thought, you know, it was so interesting how you and I met and how your, your work is in sort of one area, mine is in the other. And I just saw them completely colliding. Well, they, they absolutely do. And I'm so glad you, you reached out. And you're right. I think when you think about the employment brand, the tolerance for dehumanized workplaces was shrinking even before COVID. And I think that with the pandemic and people kind of looking at what's important and just, you know, our world being disrupted, I'm hearing so many people that are saying, this isn't worth it. Or, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, and I'm resetting my priorities. And I, and I think people really are looking for those conscious businesses that are going to be good to the environment, that are going to make a difference, that are about something more than the shareholders are, you know, a few select few at the top making a bunch of money. Like what about the people who allow them to make that money? And they really, they want to feel a part of something. And so, you know, yeah, I'm so thankful that the, the presentation you were at was Mark Hamilton, the CEO of Harcross, who we feature in the book. And I'm so glad they let us tell their story and th that we've been a part of their journey. And I think you're right. It's one thing to do the work. And so I think what we do is we help them come in and do the work and it's, it's heavy lifting. It's not a quick fix, but what you do then is help them tell that story and then how do you leverage that and then how do you help find people who believe in that story and want to help you grow that story. And so when we're working with them, you know, I might be working with leadership development and I have enough knowledge here and there about some of the HR processes, but I don't do recruiting. I don't, you know, do this. Right. So sometimes when I'm having conversations about, do you have the right leaders in the right roles? Right. Then it comes into, well, where are you going to find these people? Right. And so they, they, they have to work hand, they have to work hand in hand. They really do. And, and everything that, you know, as we come in and we talk about the strategy for recruitment and retention and leadership development, so much of it goes back to tell us about your culture. You know, tell us how you're investing in your people. The team, the talent is your most important and valued stakeholder. You know, and when you do great work with them, when you invest in them, the business is going to grow. I mean, the statistics are there. So it, it's pretty clear on that end of it. And so that's, how, you know, our business really shifted because we still are in the, you know, executive search business. Business, but we found that we had to help the companies from the inside out. 
and that the companies couldn't retain the great CFO or CEO or CMO that they were recruiting if they didn't have a good interview experience, if they weren't able to articulate their story, their why, which we'll get into. So again, it was so fantastic when we met. I love that we met through the Conscious Cap community, which we're both so, so passionate about. And we share a lot of similar values, I think, personally and professionally. And most important is the opportunity and quite honestly, you know, the, the gift that we have to go into organizations and change people's lives and to change how organizations are, are looking at their culture and their talent. For sure. For yeah. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been exciting. So today I wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about leading today, you know, and, and as we're emerging, and I like to say emerging, I know we might have a little hiccup in the fall, but we are emerging out of this pandemic, forward thinking, but you hear time and time again, the leaders that are thriving and what they're doing, and they are over-communicating to their employees. They're being transparent. They're being authentic. Unfortunately, you also hear about the leaders that aren't, and that kind of goes back to the talent that's saying, this isn't going to be a place for me long-term. But tell me a little bit about your philosophy on leadership and how you think companies and leaders will be very different (laughs) as we're emerging out of this. Yeah, it's a great question. I think that, so we fundamentally look at leadership as it is a behavior. It's not a title or a role. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know when you speak of these differences of these companies, we all know people who might have the title, the job description, the power, the authority, and they are in no way, shape or form a leader. Mm -hmm. And we all know people who may not have the title or the paycheck or the official job responsibilities or whatever, but they are absolutely a leader. And I think that if you look at the communities, the teams, the families, the organizations, the people who are growing stronger in the face of adversity, in the face of all the challenges that 2020 has brought us, they are showing up as a leader. And so we actually define leadership as maximizing our positive impact on the world by Mm. becoming our best fully authentic selves and then supporting those around us to break past barriers and step into their greatness. So it's inside out. It's we've got to do work on Mm ourselves to know when our thinking is serving us well or not, to be able to pause rather than react, to be able to shift our mindset, to navigate the adaptive challenges that this crazy world brings at us, and to fundamentally be able to go where we haven't been before. That takes a lot of self-awareness, a lot of consciousness. So it's really the conscious leadership pillar of conscious capitalism. And so when we look at leadership from that regard, yes, we work with people who are formal people leaders because what we find is so often, as you know, you have people who have been put into a manager or supervisor or whatever role and they've had very little development of how to actually lead people. They were technically strong at whatever they did and they get put in a leadership role. We see it with physicians, salespeople, lawyers, you name it. And it's a fundamentally different skill set. You are now responsible for the people. You have to be in a spirit of service to people. And that takes a shift of mindset and a shift, an entire shift of the way of being. And some people get their identity off of what they accomplish and what they do. And so they feel a loss and there's all kinds of stuff that goes with it. The other thing is that even if you have leaders who have been developed, The development has been focused on what's called the outer game of leadership. It's the skills, the competencies, the behaviors. But what we know from research is that our outer game of leadership is run by our inner game, which is our mindset, our self-awareness, our emotional intelligence, our identity, all of those things. And very little leadership has actually started with that inner game. And now you're seeing lots of research coming out in Harvard Business Review and elsewhere saying that we've had a backwards with leadership development and that we're not teaching what used to be considered soft skills which is the self-awareness, the communication, the emotional intelligence, all of that stuff that is really about being a conscious leader, that matters now more than ever. And so our whole philosophy is that people who have that people leadership responsibility absolutely need it. And we have to flip the switch and do it from the inside out. But you also can develop every single person and do it team by team to help everybody show up as a leader. So the organization has everyone with that ownership leadership mindset of, you know, I'm not going to sit back and wait for someone more qualified to fix a problem. I'm going to lean in and make a suggestion, or I'm going to speak up if something is wrong, or I'm going to ask questions. And we really need that, especially in dispersed workforces. And with things being so hectic, we need everybody to show up with that mindset and that skill set. So that's really how we look at it and how we help organizations embed that into what they do and who they yeah. are. 
Yeah. And you mentioned a couple key things is starting with your last comment about, you know, we've got to open those conversations where people, they may not be in the leadership role, but they're given permission. And they're also encouraged to step up and say, you know, I'm not sure if we should be going in this direction, or I have an idea, or I have a thought, or I have a concern. And to have a voice with that. And that really does start with that senior leader, that CEO, feeling confident and comfortable through their internal work to hear that conversation, to hear that message, to hear that pushback at times. And, you know, at M3, I absolutely love, and we are seeing more of this, which I think is fantastic, the phone calls and the requests of we have up and coming leaders, or we're developing our succession plan, and we need M3 to come in and help us develop those leaders so that we're giving them every tool to be successful in that role. So first and foremost is their communication skills, is their emotional intelligence, is their self-awareness. And, you know, it, it's such a reverse from, you know, years ago when coaching was brought in as kind of the 11th hour of we've tried everything. He was, or she was so successful as an engineer. And now we've put him into this leadership role and we don't know what happened. And when you ask the questions of, did you, did you help them in all these areas They kind of would look at you puzzled? So I'm thrilled to see that the whole approach to leadership development is changing. And it's a very open dialogue about self-reflection, about emotional intelligence, about mindfulness and caring for the whole self. And it's just, it's a game changer. So where you're going and what you're doing and the conversations you're having. And I love that you're having them with organizations that wouldn't be typical industries, you know, IT, engineering. And I think that we're, we're opening the door to change people's lives, not only professionally, but then when they go home or they go into their community, they must feel like they're just shedding some of these personas that they thought that they had to have as leaders and are showing up as a much more authentic person. Yeah. Well, and yeah, we're not one. I mean, we shouldn't be one person at home and one person at work. We're, we're a person and we know that our work life spills over into our personal life and vice versa. And so I think if we can help someone become again, the best version of themselves, they can show up authentically in all facets of their life. And we really look at when we think about, again, leadership being a behavior, it's not just, oh, I'm behaving as a leader at work. I can show up as a leader as a parent. I can show up as a leader as a friend. I can show up as a leader as a neighbor, you know, and you think of a lot of grassroots organizing or you think about, you know, the students who speak up about gun violence at their schools and whatnot. I mean, anybody can show up as a leader in all the different facets of your life. And so we have to start looking as people as a whole person, not segmented out and it only matters here. It only matters there. Yep. Yep. And I think leaders, especially in today's environment can also be not only leading and showing up, but they can be leading and inspiring others to Mm -hmm. maybe take a step back and to listen wholeheartedly to really, you may not agree with a philosophy or approach, but appreciate that person's insight or approach to it versus, you know, take a stance one way or the other and put a barrier up or be, you know, kind of a dictator type leader in an organization that used to work and now doesn't work. So I'm hoping that as we really invest in organizations, we invest in leaders that we're investing in the communities that they are a part of as well and and having Mm -hmm. a game changer in that. And I do think that there's something about the whole self and, you know, you're hearing so much, we, we talked about a little bit earlier, where people are doing some self-reflection on their, their personal quality of life, their health, and the organization that they're a part of. And so they're not, hopefully more and more, not throwing out their health and well-being out the door to be successful only. And, and I love that people are sharing more about mental health, physical health and what stress is doing to them. In fact, I was just listening to one of your favorite authors, Brene Brown, last night in a podcast that she was talking about. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And these two sisters, and one was literally in the hospital with such physical ailments that they couldn't quite put their finger on because of stress. And I think we can, I know I personally can relate to that. And I think we all can. And it's a big wake up call for us. So, which sort of leads me into what I loved about you was talking about and the, the why and the work that you're doing around that. And in your book, you know, on page 137, and we talked a little bit opening before we started recording about Nancy and Bill. And it was such an aha moment for me about, you know, this young woman and I could relate, she's 4'10 and I'm, I'm so proud when I can round up to five feet. <laughs> so I was like, 
you go girl. But that she talked a lot about what her career was built on and, you know, how she and Bill were just these kindred souls that worked together. And then all of a sudden he had health issues. And then all of a sudden the company was sold. And then she just had such a moment in her life that was game changing. And I think it was about the why and understanding your purpose, not only professionally, but personally. So I'd love to hear more on your philosophy on that and and to really share with our audience some of the great work you're doing in that area. Yeah, Nancy is phenomenal. She's just she's just a spitfire of energy and great. And I love how authentic she is in general and was for our book to really share that, you know, you're going down this path in an industry that values hyper-masculine traits, money, power, work yourself to the bone. And so many industries do that. And like we're seeing people burn out. We see it in medicine. We see it in every single industry. I've experienced it. My body's like, uh uh-uh, shut down, get sick, get an injury, whatever. And and it's so common and it's rewarded. And what I appreciate about Nancy is she had this wake-up call and she talks about going into like a two-year journey of spiritual awakening and really doing self-reflection. So this gets back to the leadership journey. We have to look within ourselves, do some really deep self-reflection, look at where our narratives come from, where our stories come from, does it make sense? And when Nancy got really clear about her purpose or her why, it shifted things for her and it shifted how she leads now and, and how Envision goes. And so for us in our book, we talk about these five rehumanizing principles that yes, they're applicable for the workplace, but they're also applicable for us as individuals or teams or communities. And the first rehumanizing principle is build a lighthouse. And that's really what you're speaking to. It's like, think about what a lighthouse does. It cuts through the fog right? So you've got stormy waters, you've got, you don't know where you're going, but it helps you find your path forward. It helps ships find their path forward. And really having a clear sense of purpose on an organizational level, but also on an individual level, it helps cut through the fog. So with all of the swirl that's going on in 2020 and the uncertainty, the anxiousness and everything, it helps kind of ground us and go, okay, you know what? I am really clear like that. That is my North star that doesn't change. So like as a business for us, our purpose is to rehumanize the workplace so people can bring their best selves to work and home each day. And I'm sure like you, right, you got your clear purpose. And so when 2020 happened and all the swirl and things are canceled and we can't travel anymore and how are we going to serve our clients and how, yes, we can do stuff virtually, but we also had to pivot a lot of things. And, but it allowed us to go, okay, if this is our purpose, what are some creative ways that we can still serve this purpose in this current environment? And it helped ground us, right? And, and when things get tough, it helps us go, okay. And then we have our core values. And so on an individual level, you also need to know what your core values are and have translated them into behaviors. I literally have a cheat sheet that sits by my computer that I look, my two core values of these are the behaviors aligned. These are the behaviors out of alignment. And every time I have an opportunity where there's going to be discomfort or as Brene would say, to step into that arena, I ground myself in my values and say, how do I want to show up? And so it just helps calm you. And I think on the organizational level, same thing. It's great. You have to have clarity of purpose. You have to have your why. But if you also have not operationalize your core values into very clear behaviors and guideposts and people know how to show up. And then you create deliberate practices that help reinforce those all bets are off. So the work that we've done with organizations like Harcross that's mentioned in the book is really helping them not just clarify their why, but then clarify their hows or their core values into very clear behaviors. And then it's okay, now that we've done that, now how do we create very deliberate practices to keep that out in front of people? How do we use it in our hiring? How do we use it in our coaching and development? If necessary, disciplinary action that we have to care as much about how people show up in service of our purpose and in service of our values as much as the results that they get, or we don't have a leg to stand on and our cultures eroded. And Rosie, can you give an example of some of the whys, you know, in reading in the book, I just thought this just jumped out at me because there was a lot of pushback in the why, yeah. you know, because people would just go, this is my why. And you're like, mm, I don't think so. And yeah. so it really challenged people. And it was, you could almost feel the emotion coming through the book of when people together landed on this why and how it impacted them, not only at work, but at home. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'll give the example of Harcross cause they're, in, they're in the book and they're an incredible why story. And we, um, the CEO at the time wanted every single employee to experience this, not just a cohort group, which we were like, oh, okay. So we had to figure out how to get 545 employees dispersed across, you know, 19 states into a workshop to really help them be a part of this process. And so we facilitated these full day workshops and we use the find your why book as an initial platform. And basically people tell stories. When have you been the most proud to work here? And so 
we collected 400 plus initial stories and now we have more from there. And then once people tell those stories, you start to parcel out, okay, so in those stories, what's the contribution we were making to the lives of others? And what's the impact of that contribution? And so Harcross is in the chemical industry. So they do both distribution and manufacturing of chemicals that are in probably everything you use every day. And what's so fascinating is if you look at the stories, none of them were about their products or service. It was about how they showed up in service of each other, of their customer, their resilient spirit, truly human leadership. When they were the most proud and inspired, it had nothing to do with their product or service. It was how they showed up. And, and that I think that's exactly it, yeah. Yep, and that's where the emotion gets connected. And some people are like, oh my gosh, right? And it reconnected with them of what's good about the heart of the company and bring something alive in them and like, wow. And then remembering that when we show up every day, we have an opportunity to really make a difference. And so for them, they kind of tweaked the formula a little bit, but it's working together we make a positive impact. We make a difference. And, and so they really look at, they have an opportunity to do that with their customers, with each other. They have incredible give back and involvement in the communities that they serve. And so I think that if you just ask people when you've been the most proud to work here, and we do this exercise in some of our team-based workshop, again, it's never about the product or service. Mm-hmm. It's about how people show up. And so it's really, I think that's the, the opportunity. And so what we always say is that storytelling process, even if you've identified your why, From a deliberate practice standpoint, on an ongoing basis, at the start of meetings, put five minutes on the agenda. Anyone have a story recently of where you've seen our values in action or where you've been inspired or you've seen our why being lived? That storytelling keeps that lighthouse illuminated. And it keeps that emotion and keeps that connection, especially in a virtual environment where maybe I feel like I'm sitting here in an island doing my work, disconnected from my team, but then I hear about something and it re-energizes me about why I'm doing what I do. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point. That lighthouse, I love the image and the North Star and you can just, you can picture it. And and, and that light needs to be shining so bright during these difficult times. And when you mentioned being virtual, I think, you know, you almost have to be that much more intentional mm-hmm. in conversation and reaching out and starting each meeting. And with the why, and that did stand out to me in the book was, the gentleman was talking about, you know, his personal life and some health issues in his family. And, you know, he was just overwhelmed with the support that showed up in the organization. And so it wasn't about the metrics in the organization. It was really about how you felt a part of a community. And I think that to be able to spend time and keep going back to those values and your pillars and what's important to you as an organization and as personally. And then I think as a leader, we really have to stay true to that. And I love that you have that visual in front of you. But when COVID hit, you know, I felt like we were just spinning as every organization was. And, you know, I keep talking about the different chapters of COVID, you know, and the first one was just that, oh my gosh, this is real. Is everybody safe, you know, internally and with your customers? And of course, first and foremost, with your family. But I really started to think about how are we going to manage through this? The big thing that we always talk about at M3 is that we impact others, we change lives. And I remember, and I think I'll remember this the rest of my life. And, you know, and I, I had tears in my eyes and probably running down my face talking with the team to say, you know, we've always stood for changing lives. And we are just going to play a very different role in changing lives as we're leading through this pandemic and being by people's sides, being by organizations' sides and help them navigate through that. And so it's a test of your values. You know, my point is that that lighthouse and that guiding light is those values are being tested now more than ever. And for me, it was very comforting to know that our values were probably at their best during some of the most challenging times for us as an organization and, and watching what other organizations were going through. Oh, absolutely. I think I am a firm believer that when times are tough, that's when we really learn what we're made of and we actually learn who companies really are and who people really are. And I think that similar for us, I remember, you know, lost a bunch of money, boom, right off the bat in speaking gigs and, you know, having to pivot consulting contracts from in-person workshops to spread out virtual and trying to figure out what else we could do to help people during this time. And, and people who were needing continuing education, because we also are, are a continuing education provider, could we pivot some stuff? we knew people needed to renew their licenses. And so we were just trying to be like really creative of, and it really was all in service of our, of our why. And what was really interesting is 
I had this thought and it was, you know, this is not a time. Everyone is struggling, right? This is not a time to try to grow your business. This is not a time to try to get new business. This is just a time to reach out and connect. And one of our core values is about building and nurturing community. And so I reached out to current and former clients and just literally was thinking of you. And it was, it was personalized. It was authentic. And I was like, I don't know about you, but here's some of the stuff that I've been experiencing and here's what I'm using to ground myself. I hope you're well. I'm happy to have a check-in just to check. And and there was no strings attached. It just, for me, it felt like this is what I needed to do to be true to me, true to the values of the company. I just felt like I care about these people, even if I'm not currently working with them. And so many people said, I'm so appreciative. And I did like one a month then after the George Floyd murder and just as, as civil unrest. And I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. And, and people appreciate that genuine, authentic outreach. And I think that you, you start to learn who a company is, who a leader is, who a person is. And then you saw some of those companies get really greedy or get really dehumanized or trying to take advantage of what's going on and people go, Ugh, right. And so I think that, yeah, our employment brand is so important. And when things are challenging, like you look at how Harcross has even handled through this pandemic. And we talked about it in our session with conscious capitalism. You look at Barry Waymiller is perfect example. And with the downturn of 2007, 2008, where they took that stance of better that we all suffer a little than anyone suffer a lot. Right. And so how organizations were looking at, how do we help keep people as whole as possible and minimize the suffering when there are very real financial constraints versus we're just going to do a whole bunch of layoffs. Yeah. So anyway, I just think it's huge. And that lighthouse helps guide you and anchor you. How do you navigate these very challenging situations and, and very difficult decisions we have to make? And if you don't have that, I don't know how you guide yourself through that, or I don't know how you guide your company through that, honestly. Right. And Harcross has said, if they didn't have that why and, and, and purpose work, they don't know where they'd be during 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. And we've used this word countless times. They have to be authentic, right? You can't just throw them up and say, these are the values that are going to get us through this pandemic. You have to invest in them. You have to put some muscle around them. And I think the organizations that have been doing that, and quite honestly, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for organizations that have been sort of considering it to say, now's the time to do this. And it's important. You know, when you talk about the lighthouse and we talked about up and coming leaders. To me, I always say in, in my, my next life or in retirement, I'm so passionate about helping teenagers and college students because I think we throw them into the thick of this and the internships and the, you know, where's your career going to be in the colleges and, you know, everything is spinning and I'm watching my three teenagers go through this right now too in college. And it's like, I just think these, these young future leaders need to have the investment being put in them now about that lighthouse, those values, what's important to you. And so when you're interviewing for a job, when you're at a crossroads in college or in an internship, they can start building those skills and those muscles and and quite honestly, those values of who they are at a young age. I feel like we're still late to the game when we're talking about the up and coming leaders, because there's probably leaders that could be showing up differently early on that aren't labeled leaders yet to be able to do that. So I think that's just mission critical work that we yeah. need to focus on. Well, and I would back it up even further. I mean, my son is going to turn 10 next week, but I remember even in first grade, I was so excited that I saw that they're teaching the kids about growth versus fixed mindset. And so, yeah. and I use that in our work and I was a, I'm able to have conversations with my son when he gets really frustrated and wants to give up and quit. I'm like, does that sound like a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? He's like, I don't want to have this conversation. Right. But it's good, but great to start having that early on. But, yeah, but they need to, because it's not even just about the clarity of purpose. We need, we need to help build that fundamental mindset, right? Where that resilient spirit that, you know what, things aren't always going to go my way. And I'm building the skills to be able to know I still have value and pick myself back up and kind of keep going and try again. And that's so, so critical. And so I'm glad that at least at an earlier age, they're teaching some of that stuff. But I think there's so many skills that honestly need to be embedded into the entire education system, even before we get to teenagers in college, because you have a lot of unlearning and rewiring that has to be done at that age from stuff that happened earlier. And that's a lot of the work, honestly, we end up doing is rewiring narratives and scripts that we created in the first 15, 16 years of our life that told us we didn't belong, weren't enough, whatever, that people carry with them into their 30s, 40s, 50s, and it gets in their way. So I could go on a whole tangent. But yeah, I definitely think that there's such great opportunities to 
back the truck up, so to speak, and start looking before they even enter the workforce. Well, and as, as, as we invest in leaders and we invest in organizations, again, when we talk about what they're bringing home, hopefully these conversations will be different at home and they're starting to look at the kids that are 10 years old on up, even younger, and what they can do and, and how they can contribute. You know what, I'm sure many of our listeners are saying, this is great, but I'm not in an organization or my leadership is in volunteer work or community service, which is so important, where they don't feel like the organization is contributing to this. I think this is all work that people can do individually and as an organization. So I don't want to rule out that, you know, if your organization isn't investing in this, that you shouldn't be able to invest in it. I think it's it's a, an opportunity and it's a gift to do that self-reflection, to put yourself on a journey. There's endless books and podcasts. And as you said, you had that aha moment going, this just doesn't feel right. And you picked up every book that you could find, you know, so Mm -hmm. you didn't have that support, yet you found the resources to be able to do that, you know, and for me, leading my own company, there wasn't a team. I learned early on that in order for me to show up as a great leader, I had to be investing in myself. And so I did have that kind of aha moment and transformation that I went through that I I don't think the journey is ever, you don't hit your destination, it's ongoing, but Mm -hmm. I just encourage our listeners to say there's incredible opportunities and resources and people can certainly reach out to URI at any time to be able to find those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is for sure ongoing. And I think that's also why we structured the book, each chapter at the end to say, okay, here are some tangible things you can do based on what we talked about in this chapter to show up as a leader, make a positive difference. So if you're in a work team, here's what you can do, right? If you're, and I think that we can sell ourselves short and there are, yes, it's, it's reading books and podcasts and getting a coach or doing your own self-reflection journey or whatever that might be. And recognizing that you can start to like pilot and practice and just start with your own family, start with your own coworkers, start with you, right? I think we sell ourselves short of where we can have a positive difference because if it's not going to be on a grand scale or if I'm not going to get the CEO's uh, attention, but just like, again, I keep going back to grassroots organizing, it starts small. And you know what? You start with one person, another person, you make a positive difference around you with a small little group and it grows and momentum builds from there. And so I think we can kind of shift our mindset about, what we can do and the type of impact that we can have, regardless of what our role is. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Such a, such a good point. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, at organizations, people need to really feel cared for and heard. And you made a comment to me in one of our early conversations that, you know, when they don't invest in that person, if that person doesn't feel heard, that starts to show up in many different ways. And many times it's toxic. And so I think that, you know, for organizations that are going through a challenging time, there's simple things that they can be doing that are not costly. It's being humans, right? It's being authentic. It's showing up as a caring leader that will help people through this transition time. And so tell me a little bit more about your your philosophy on that, that, you know, if they're not going to pay attention to this, it's going to start popping up in places and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I call it the bad game of whack-a-mole, right? And I think that it is in our DNA, it is a core human need to feel like we matter and to be heard and seen. So when our leader ignores us, when we're not listened to by whoever, it violates our core human needs, which is why we have such a visceral reaction to it. And so if you have leaders that are just like off doing business stuff and forgetting that their number one role, and I'm talking about people leaders, because I right? Say everyone can be a leader, but if someone's in a people leadership role, they have an additional responsibility. And if they are off focus on the task and ignoring their people, or they're checking in and it's more about what work did you get done, or it's half-hearted, it's not authentic, it's how you doing, right? Versus like, you know what? I am going to make the time each and every week, especially if we're in a spread out virtual environment to just say, you know, Mary Malone, how are you? how's distance learning going? You know, how are you holding up with all this? Is there anything you're needing? And it's genuine and it's authentic and that you give me permission to say, I'm struggling this week or it's rough. And you feel like they authentically care for you. I know I tell a story in the book about one of my previous employers before I started my company when they were human because they turned dehumanized after a while. But when they were human, they would check in on me when my son was having health issues and when there was all these issues. And 
I still like can get emotional about it. And it, that meant more to me than anything. And I would have recruiters that were calling me and I would hang up the phone and I didn't care how much money they were promising me because I was like, I had a support system and I had people that actually gave a rats behind about me, mm-hmm. gave a rats behind about my son and my family. We are neurobiologically hardwired for connection and belonging. And when we feel like we belong somewhere and we matter and we're making a difference, that is worth more than a paycheck, assuming that there's a fair level of pay to begin with, right? And so you start looking at when you get beyond a certain pay level, it is about that sense of belonging. Is it about, it's about that sense of fulfillment and community. And so what I've been encouraging the leaders that I coach and support is what are the deliberate practices? You feel like you don't have time to check in with your team. You don't have time not to. And so what are you not delegating right? Because maybe there's stuff you could delegate and they want to help and they want to feel useful. And if you're not authentically checking in with them, that's problematic. And that's going to come back and bite you in the butt because guess what? They're going to check out and they're going to start creating a story of, I don't matter. And your top talent are going to be the ones that are calling your, your firm up. And they're going to be, I, I want, I want a place that actually cares about me. And that if I'm what the work I'm doing here doesn't matter, what's the point? And, well, and you right now, even, even in the tighter job market that we're having right now, you see it all the time. The best people, the most talented employees are the ones that always have mobility, even in a tight job market. And those right. are the people that hurts to lose, but those are the people you're going to lose if you're not helping them feel like they matter and make a difference. Exactly, exactly. And, and you nailed it. And I talk about it often and, and even in my podcast as far as the best and the brightest, some of the most talented people. And the organization may say, and we pay them these huge salaries. How did we lose them? It was for simple th- things. They didn't feel heard. They didn't feel valued. They didn't feel like they could trust the organization, that they could show up authentic or the leader wasn't showing up authentically. And I've had a more than you would realize instances of people making that choice because of how an organization led through COVID. And so as I say to CEOs all the time, when they ask me, what can we be doing? That's exactly what you're saying. It's showing up. It's being authentic. It's caring. It's not anything that's flashy or the latest best practice. It's just being human and caring. And that's what Mm -hmm. people want today. And so I agree. I think that there's organizations that are thriving and they're surviving because they know that they being the the team, the key stakeholders know that they're being cared for and that, that, that they can't afford to not be a part of an organization like that anymore. Right. Well, and even in tough times, I mean, you'll see, you know, Barry Waymiller is just a great example of it, but there's many others that even if an organization is going through tough times, if I feel cared for as an employee, I am willing to lean into that sacrifice and take a little bit of the hit on behalf of, because this company is also taking care of me and I believe in their purpose or whatnot. I mean, we're all going back to Harcross just because that's kind of started our, our relationship, right? When, when Mark and I yeah. presented that it's similar. I mean, not that there's not bumps and bruises, but what you're hearing is these people are going, you know, I really appreciate how they're taking care of me while our industry counterparts are losing their job and how they're still keeping us whole and everything. And and so people pay attention to that. Yeah, they really do. They really do. And it it makes a difference. So let's shift gears and talk about 2021. You know, it has such a a great uh, optimistic feel to it. And I think people are really looking forward to start setting the stage for 2021. And there's so much opportunity to show up differently. And we've talked quite a bit, and I think our audience would love to hear the breath of fresh air and saying there's such a stage to show up differently and to test styles differently and to say, this is a historical time. And here's what I've learned. And here's how I want to be a different leader. So there's some work that they can be doing now to really set the stage for 2021. And I think, you know, for you to share some some thoughts and advice on that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think that 2020 has certainly given an opportunity for what I call the great reset. And I think yeah. that anybody that isn't kind of doing a reset, you, you still can, right? There's still another quarter left of this year. And I know that at the start of a new year, it's always like new possibilities and whatnot. Let's be honest, we don't know, like, as we're planning our business and planning our client work, we're planning it all virtual, saying that if something changes and partway through the year we can shift in person, we'll make an amendment, but we have to go with what we know right now. And I think that when you look at the opportunity to shift and be different in 2021, I think that regardless of what's been happening in your organization, you need to be able to acknowledge, hey, 2020 was, was tough and that, you know, we get it. And, and also own whatever mistakes that you've made. Like, you know what, we screwed this up or we did okay here. 
and whatnot. And then say, and you know what, here's what we've learned. And here's the journey that we're going to be on hopefully together to make things different and better in 2021. And so I think it's an opportunity to be more intentional. I think it's an opportunity to check in with people more as a, as a whole person. I think it's an opportunity to say, we're going to listen more. I even think it's being realistic about our bandwidth and how much we take on. Speaking of, you know, talking about burnout earlier, so many people are actually working more hours if they're working virtually because they're feeling they have to prove themselves or because they can, and that's not helpful. And, and if you think about all of what's happened in 2020, every mental health expert I've spoken to says two things, that COVID is a trauma inducing experience. So you've got trauma fallout and people process trauma differently. Some people it hit right away and some people it actually hasn't hit them yet and it, it is yet to come. And then you layer the social justice crisis, global social justice crisis on top of it. And that's another traumatic, right? So there's been a whole lot of trauma that I don't think that we've recognized. And so I think that the humanistic view of what are people needing and really looking out for the signs of are people starting to burn out? Is the trauma starting to hit them that maybe it didn't hit them in 2020? And so I really think 2021 is an opportunity to reconnect, really look at strengthening relationships, strengthening how we communicate, being more intentional, pausing more, and just setting healthy boundaries. I just think that there's such an opportunity to go, you know, we've learned a lot through this pandemic. We learned a lot through 2021 and we've learned about our strengths. We've learned about our weaknesses. So let's together look at how are we going to leverage that to become a better version, version 2.0 or 3.0 of our company, as well as version 2.0 or 3.0 of ourselves. And I just think it's such a reset opportunity that is needed. I agree. I agree. And Brene Brown puts it, you know, where you get in the ring and, and you kind of test some things that make you extremely vulnerable. But I think that as leaders show up being vulnerable, it builds that much more of a connection with your key stakeholders, your employees, because they're saying he or she is they're, they're human, you know, they're, they're struggling, but they are putting themselves out there and asking the why of what do you need as a, you know, an organization? What do you need personally and professionally? How can we be a team together and looking at the whole self? And so for me, I just get so energized about what you're doing. And that why to me is more important now that lighthouse, those guiding principles more than ever, because I think that is what's going to be that deep rudder that is going to help navigate us through this. And, you know, in M3, we feel as though the more we can get in and we can bring partners in such as yourself, we can bring different thought leaders in, in conversations to say, we want to approach this differently. We don't want to just fill jobs. We want to build an environment and then a culture where people want to come and be a part of us. So I think that a lot of self-reflection in 2020 as we close out this year, testing some things that make us incredibly vulnerable. You know, and I've learned as, as I'm, I'm getting older of like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I used to be so frazzled. And then I realized, you know what, you just get up and you try something different the next time. But I think that you're going to see such a cohesive organization from testing things and, and that opportunity to open the door for the conversations that weren't there previously. And moving oh, for sure here to rebuild. Well, people at the end of the day, people want realness, authenticity, and connection more than they want polish or perfection. Correct. And I think that we can see through smoke and mirrors when someone's trying to, anyone that's trying to pretend they have all the answers or has it all together in 2020 is full of it. They're, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going I'm to call my BS meter, right? Yeah. And so, but I think a leader that says, all right, like I've never been through a pandemic before. So here we go, guys, you know, we're yeah. going to try this and people appreciate that. Or even to say, you know, I'm not really sure what to do here, but this is the information we have. And so I'm transparent about how I'm making decisions that I'm trying to make an informed decision, but let's be honest, we've never been here before. We don't know what's going to happen. And I think people really appreciate that transparency and, and authenticity and the, the organizational leaders that I've seen. Again, I'm just gonna go back to Heartcross. One of the things that Mark started doing is being very human and doing little short non-polished videos on his iPhone or iPad with his dog in the background and sending them out to employees and they loved it. And they're like, oh my gosh, we feel like we're getting transparent communication. It's real. It's not stuffy. You're trying to, you know, we're just being human and saying, hey, here I am. I'm stuck at home too, you know, or, or here's where I am. And so 
I think that's, that's what people are looking for. And I think that even for the people who aren't out actually having to work, you know, front lines and they're working from a computer, they're working virtually, you know, remotely, we've gotten a glimpse of humanity into our colleagues when they're, you, know, you see that they're working from a laundry room or their bedroom because they don't have a space in their house or you see their kids coming in or you see their pets in the background. So we've gotten a greater glimpse into who people are as a person, not just whatever persona they bring to work. And so I think that that desire to have that connection, that authenticity, that humanity is only going to grow as we move forward because we've seen what it's like when we can let ourselves be seen and be human. Yeah. And I think through, you know, a horrible pandemic and challenging times, and you, you certainly wouldn't want to live through that. I think there's an incredible amount of gifts that when people slow down and really think about it and put their arms around them and, and test things that were given to us that wouldn't have been given to us before. And I, and I like the way, you know, it's a great pause and it is, and boy, did we need to, I got to tell you, I look back on some things and I thought, yeah, we really needed to slow down and start to self-reflect and look at things differently. And I think it's been a great opportunity. And there's just such energy and potential for what can be and where we need to go. And I think as a country and as leaders and as organizations, we need optimism, we need hope, and we need confidence. And we've, uh, we've healed and we've rebuilt many times. I have no doubt that we will again, but I think there's a way that we can do it that is rehumanizing the workforce, that's paying attention to our key stakeholders, that's investing in our team, individuals, and our communities. And if we can do that, I think we've got a very bright future. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you. This has been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, as we close out today, any, any final thoughts that you'd want to share with our audience of takeaways that they can have to be able to, to get the energy, to get the inspiration, to make some changes moving forward? Yeah, I would just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to Brene Brown. And if people aren't familiar with her research on leadership, that really looking at that, what our future demands, and this is pre-COVID, so it's even more so now, our future actually demands that we have braver leaders and more courageous cultures. And so I think that there's an opportunity to say, you know what? I am not too old. It is not too late to start my own journey and work to become a braver leader. So to do that self-reflection, to look at who am I when I'm at my best, to lean into that discomfort a little bit and to look at how I can make a positive difference around me. And I think that reframing how we view leadership, that you know what, you can start small, you can start with one person, you can start with one team and you can make a difference. You can show up as a leader in your life, as a parent, as a sibling, as a friend as a neighbor. And so I just think that there is an opportunity for every single one of us to say, what's the contribution I want to make around me? What's the difference I want to make? What's going to fulfill me and do that combination work of messy inner work with playing and practicing. And you don't have to get it right. You don't have to get it perfect. But I think that's where we're going to move forward as a society and tackle the, the known and unknown challenges that are going to come our way. And we all have an opportunity to be a part of a better future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the ways that you're getting the message out is not only with your book, Rehumanizing the Workplace, which is fantastic. I, I highly encourage everyone to go out, get a copy and buy an extra highlighter because there'll be a lot of <laughs> highlighting as they go through it. And so I, I get so excited over that. But you're also doing a podcast, you know, and I love the title, Show Up as a Leader. And I think it's fantastic. And I know you, you've had a great number of guests on your podcast. And I really encourage people to go check it out because I think there's more that you can be sharing there. Also, you're, you've got a couple websites, which is drrosieward.com and salviopartners.com. And again, I'm looking forward to, to our friendship and our partnership growing together. And I think that your work is inspiring to so many other people. And I appreciate all that you're giving to those organizations, our community and our country. Well, thank you so much. And likewise, I'm so, I'm so glad that we met and I'm so looking forward to our continued partnership and friendship and stuff too. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. For more information on our vision, please visit m3placement.com.